Hey everyone. So, as promised, today I'd like to have a look at a map of the Ottoman Empire. Specifically, this one is called Historische Karte. So, a historic map. orientalischen Frage on an oriental question which is not necessarily a phrasing you would still use today but this is quite old um, I think it's from around 1900 it's from a Brockhaus so from a lexicon and in fact you can see that it was taken out of a book but I got this separately when I was thrifting <laughs> and I thought it was too good to pass on it so basically what this shows us here with all of these different colors is the changes in the border of the Ottoman Empire since 1683 so all things considered that's relatively late obviously the Ottomans took over Anatolia a lot earlier um, you could say it was still in the Middle Ages and the conquest of Constantinople here was in 1453 by that time the Byzantine Empire had already lost uh, most of its surrounding lands if not all of them and the Ottoman Empire basically formed in its place so let's have a quick look at the extent of the Ottoman Empire we have of course what we know today as Turkey with all of these little islands here in the Mediterranean the border to Greece is very close so for example Corsia or um, Rhodos are Greek islands then here down the coastline you have uh, Lebanon Beirut uh, Palestina with Jerusalem and Syria Egypt is not part of the Ottoman Empire at this point but it did extend that far and we can see here Barca it would be part of Libya and I guess Tunisia I think not completely sure Here we can see Arabia, 
Mesopotamia, Basra, Mosul. These are Kurdic territories. And here, Pasbaghdad, we have the border to the Persian Empire. Here would be Armenia. And then between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, we have the Caucasus with the famous mountains and the highest mountain in Europe, in fact. Depends a bit on where exactly you draw the line between Europe and Asia. But I think these days, usually, the Elpos right here is counted as a European mountain. It's 5,630 meters on this map. So we can see parts of this coastline here to Georgia, were also part of the Ottoman Empire. Up here we have a border along the Russian Empire, again with some changes that we can see here in what would today be Ukraine, with the Azov Sea, with Rostov, along the river Don. We have Crimea with Sevastopol. We have Bessarabia, which I always think is a really beautiful name for a region. And then basically what we want to focus on is this area here. So, today we would have Greece, you can see Bulgaria, Romania, Hungary, Serbia, Bosnia, this would be Croatia, Kain is the old German word for what's today Slovenia. And then up here we get to Austria and Vienna. Altogether, the Ottoman Empire had about 32 provinces and a number of vassal states that were more or less incorporated into the empire. It had a period of expansion starting after the conquest of Constantinople up through the Balkans which led them all the way to Vienna. There were two sieges, one in 1529, so early on in the 16th century, and I think I mentioned that one before because it um, it quite changed the way Vienna grew. You already had a number of suburbs at the time which were destroyed over the course of the siege and then built anew. The second one was about 150 years later in 1683. So quite late actually, I always, I don't know, I feel like it would have been earlier. 
and the Ottoman Empire lost and this is basically where we start off on this map because that led to the Treaty of Karlowitz and I know this is very very small but basically here in um, I think this is well, probably was right at some point we can see the territorial losses in 1699 after this Treaty of Karlowitz and those were large parts here of the Kingdom of Hungary along the border to what would later become Galicia the Bukovina um, that's a bit later, it says to Austria in 1775 so, let me just see it's a little hard to read, we have um, these red lines here and then we have red dots which would be the Treaty of Kuchukainachza I hope you say it like that 75 years later and it might have been a part of that treaty but it's hard to tell the part on this map so I'm guessing this one is later with uh, Janowitz but here we have Siebenburden or Transylvania as it's known in English we have Slavonia and then we get here, close to the Dalmatian coastline the next part is from the Treaty of Pasarowitz in 1718 which would be here around Temeshma along the river Save and you can see it extends a little bit through Serbia but then we also have this um, yellow and green coloring so let's see so it means that they lost this area and then regained it later so the first time they lost this part of Serbia would have been in 1718 to Austria regained it and then I assume lost it again in 1739 and 1829 let's see that would fit with the green and the yellow color 1829 1878 right that's the yellow part 
can also say that here in Bosnia, which is listed as um, occupied by Austria, it's usually said this is the only uh, part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire where it would make sense to speak of a colony. And that also extends here to parts of Bulgaria and large parts of Romania. We have Moldavia and Wallachia. One part I find really interesting is this name here in sort of southern Bulgaria. It says this is east of Romelia. And I, I I think we've seen the term Romelia before at one point on another map. I hadn't heard it before until I, I found it for one of our videos. The interesting thing is, this is um, put together from two different words. The first part here, if you switch out the U for an O, you can see it stands for Rome. And the ending in this uh, spelling Li, but it can also take some other endings, basically means land off. I think it could also be Ely. So what this means is land of the Romans. And that to me seemed a bit weird because we're here along the Black Sea. We are at this point in the 19th century. It's funny that this area would still be called land of the Romans. But of course, when we think of this area today, we think of, yes, East Rome and East Roman Empire, or specifically a Byzantine Empire. But during the Byzantine Empire, that term wasn't used. That term was coined in the middle of the 16th century. The Byzantines themselves just said Rome. They were Romans, they lived in the Roman Empire. And traditionally, this area here would have been called Romalia, so land of the Romans. And the term survived in Turkey too. This is really funny. It says that the term Ottoman was mostly used by the elite. The farmers, on the other hand, they would call themselves Turks, but I guess especially in Constantinople, so that the educated urban people, they would say neither that they are Ottomans nor Turks, they would call themselves Rumi, so Romans. Which just gets to show that the influence of the Roman Empire really lasted a long time. Okay, let's just continue with our exploration here. So we can see that a number of areas here went to Austria-Hungary, or at the time uh, Austria. It was not yet a, a double monarchy. 
if we look on the northern side of the Black Sea, we can see that by the 18th century, they were starting to lose areas to the Russian Empire, like here, where we have Odessa, or Bessarabia in 1812. Yeah, the entire coastline was lost in 1783 and let's see that port in uh, I think it's the 1739 so this dark area would be 1739 they lost uh, the port of Azov but regained Serbia and Valeria which we've already seen, which is why we have two colors here. We've also already seen that there were losses to the Russian Empire on this side. Plus you have this really long frontier to the Persian Empire, which wasn't always without issues either. So, altogether, while at first the Ottoman Empire had expanded quite substantially, over the 17th and 18th century, you had a number of areas where they were, um, where they had a frontier to defend, basically. There were some conflicts. And they moved south through the Balkans, can then see here uh, Macedonia. Let's see. So I think this would be. At the time, this was summarized under Turkey, interestingly. So this was still part of the Ottoman Empire at the time. This is here that at the time Egypt, Samos, and uh, I think you say Crete in English. So Creta right here, this island, were um, relatively independent, and Montenegro was never entirely integrated into the empire, which is why it's left white. Which would be here. Okay, so this part here was part of uh, Turkey or the Ottoman Empire, and Greece had already been lost once in 1881. And here the green parts in 1830. So at the time it was already shrinking. There's one really interesting aspect there that I want to have a look at with you. And I noticed it earlier. Let's see if we can find it again. Right here. It says Militärgrenze. 
this is a military frontier. Now, while this map is from the 19th century, so we see a lot of movement over the Balkans. For a long time, the border between Austria and the Ottoman Empire was relatively stable. And that's because of this military frontier, the Militärgrenze. We're just gonna take a different map to take a closer look at that. Okay, so let's have a look here. We have Vienna, we have the Danube. Leading here south over Lachia to the Black Sea. We have, here it's indicated as Istanbul, but you could also say Constantinople. And we have the, the actual frontier right here following the Save. And then the Danube for a bit, and then turning north of Wallachia and Moldavia to uh, another river that's not indicated with a name here. And just north of it, we can see that there's an area marked as this military frontier. So it's a zone along the entire region. It started off, however, here in what's today Croatia. So this region and then was slowly extended over Slavonia, the Banat, and then here along Siebenbürgen or Transylvania to the edge of the Bukovina. It says here Hungary, so later this would become part of Hungary, but for a long time this was under direct control of the Habsburgs. This was obviously an important area for them. Now the idea was that you would have farmers settle here that would be able to not just populate the area that was obviously gained and regained over time, but they would also be able to defend it. So living here came on the one hand with a lot of freedom. You were allowed to choose your religion. You got land. You got quite a favorable deal when it came to taxes. But of course, you had to be willing to fight. And in fact, over time, uh, a great part of the population also became soldiers. Whether they really fought here along the border to the Ottoman Empire, I'm not sure. But they were definitely active in other parts of the Habsburg Empire, so they weren't just useful to the Habsburgs right here. 
one interesting part, because um, I said religion earlier, there was a big deal, of course, at the time, whether you were Catholic or Orthodox or Muslim or Protestant. But here you could just keep your religion. And that basically also led to quite a diverse population along the military frontier. It wasn't that important anymore, say in the 19th century. But it was kept and you can still see traces like certain buildings along the area. can trace it entirely. So we have a military frontier. Slavonia. Then it would be here in the Banat. North of Malachia. So right here where you would have Hermannstadt or Kronstadt. These are these famous German settlements because of course you would have people coming in from other parts of the Holy Roman Empire and they're often known as Donauschwaben because they settled along the Danube. So north of Wallachia and then around Moldavia up to the Bukovina right here so it follows that outline right here and you can see really well how that corresponds with the actual border of a specific timeline. It's easy to think that the Ottoman Empire was shrinking the entire time. But it was a really influential um, empire that lasted for centuries. And of course, you didn't just have a contested frontier, you also had a lot of trade between the two empires. And this is a story that I find really fascinating. In order to be able to communicate between Vienna and Constantinople, at one point it was decided to send young children from Austria to Turkey so that they would be able to learn the Ottoman language and then come back and be able to interpret. And I'm specifically saying Ottoman here and not Turkish because since the empire was so large it also took on a lot of the languages. So you don't just have the Turkic language, which is Turkish today. You also had a lot of influence from Persian, 
which is an Indo-European language, so related to German or to English. And you also had a lot of influence from Arabic, which of course is the language of Islam. And the Ottoman Empire was maybe the most important um, political construct during the time in any Muslim region. So it also took on Arabic expressions, which again is a different language family. So I think the Ottoman language in that regard is really fascinating and kind of shows just how many people came together in that empire. But I think for today, that's quite enough exploration. I'll see you again next week when we have a closer look at